no like limited to just bone thugs like no mo thugs no solo albums correct yeah now you know there was a moment of time when it dropped down and it was just three of them in the group correct yeah. does that still count as bone thugs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah i said three, okay. three is still bone thugs just but two's not I two i know <laughs> I just had to justify, I had to clarify that to make sure. <laughs> All, right. All right, we good. All right, welcome everybody to the Hip Hop Multiverse Podcast. I'm your host, Darwin, and today's episode, we're doing the legendary Bone Thugs and Harmony. So in the 90s, Bone Thugs gave us that fast, melodic rapping combined with some R&B harmonizing that made them sound unlike any hip hop we had ever heard before and even during their time or to an extent afterwards. Even the modern music that incorporates some of those elements doesn't really capture that feel that that Bone had. I mean, the singing's either auto-tuned or, you know, they're not really a group, it's just one individual. So even if they kind of add melody to it, we don't really get what we got when uh, Bone Thugs came out. So yeah, it was gangster rap, but there was also this kind of eerie mysticism about these guys that was a little bit different, you know, kind of had almost like a ghetto boys feel. And it had this kind of fun, like horror to it, you know, it was all this stuff about Ouija boards, they out here meeting at the crossroads, you know, they out here smoking weed. And sometimes you don't know if it's just them hanging out or if they're they're going through some spiritual stuff at the same time. I mean, and listening to Bone Thugs definitely uh, was was a ride that was in its own world. So for me personally, the East 99 Eternal was the first rap CD ever in my household. You know, we might have had a few tapes before that, but it was the first CD ever in my household, and we wore it out like crazy, especially between me and Darren. Um, I would try my best to rap along with them, despite them rapping 100 miles per hour, and I would say Bone and Tupac are the first acts that really started me on the journey of becoming a hip-hop head. So today, I got a guest from Bone's hometown of Cleveland to chat about this group, so let's go ahead and introduce this guest. So our guest is named, well, I keep wanting to call her Ashley Murph, but I, I be I be screwing that up. I'll let you introduce yourself. <laughs> so, so guess what's what's your name? So you know, there's always always that saying: once a Murph, always a Murph. All right. <laughs> so, so, I am Ashley Murph Reynolds. Mm-hmm. Everyone knows me as Murph, um, as my maiden name. Um, Darwin knows me as Murph um, because that was around the time that we met um, while we were in college. So Darwin gets a pass for slipping up and calling me Murph on a regular. <laughs> right, right. Yeah, I mean, not, I've definitely interacted with you a lot more as Murph than than as Ashley Reynolds. Yeah. So, so, so that's where my mind goes initially. So, so you brought it up before, but but let's see how good your memory is. How, how do we how do we first meet each meet each other? Uh, man, this is so embarrassing. <laughs> <sighs> so we met in Dayton, Ohio. We went to the same college at the University of Dayton. Darwin was one of the many amazing people who uh, tolerated me during my um, wild college girl party drunk days. (laughs) (laughs) And, you know, um, we've been there for each other through both our ups and downs throughout the moments of our dating years. So, yeah, um, I can't remember if the official first physical meet um, was um 
on the um, grass <laughs> when I <laughs> when I passed out on the lawn, or I yeah, I don't. <laughs> or if I you don't were actually so. in my dorm <laughs> when everyone walked me back. <laughs> so, so from my memory, the first time I heard about you, it was the girl that passed out on the grass. I, I, I believe. <laughs> And I think I met you in the dorm soon afterwards. And, and, and I'm like, oh, so that's, that's who Ashley Burr is. Uh, yeah, yeah. That was a horrible introduction. I have since then grown and very much matured. <laughs> oh, goodness. All Thanks, right. Darwin, so, for all the years of craziness and friendship. Oh, yeah. So, um, so how are you doing in life now? Good, good. Um, currently living in Monterey, California. Um, I've been married for going on eight years um, as of October 1st. Um, trying to enjoy this thing called adulthood. Right. And, uh, you know, just literally taking one day at a time, enjoying life while we still have breath in us. Mm-hmm. Okay, so um, how did you uh, describe yourself as a music fan? In terms of just uh, general genres and stuff. General genre, I can say that I'm actually a huge music head, so much to the point that I actually have a music note tattooed on me. Um, uh, and uh, this is something that you probably don't know or probably forgot. Um, while we were stationed in Japan, um, I got a tattoo of a, a treble clef and a bass clef with uh, some sheet music wrapped around it. And the chords that I selected is actually the intro to one of the Bone Thug songs. Oh so we'll actually, we'll actually talk about that <laughs> when we get into <laughs> the podcast a little further. And um, that pretty much will show you how much of a bonehead I really am. Oh, wow. um, in terms of genres, um, I am more so, I feel that I'm the 90s, 2000 era in terms of hip hop, rap, and R&B. Um, the new age stuff is kind of hit or miss for me. Uh, so I am kind of, I, I feel like I am becoming our parents and being stuck in one <laughs> one era of music. Yeah, yeah, I'm... I'm not much different than that. I mean, I still listen and follow stuff, but mainly most rappers I listen to are in their thirties. So, so yeah, so, like, so yeah I, I, there's, there's maybe every now and then I'll find one or two that's a little bit, that's younger than me or a little bit younger that, that I can enjoy. But yeah, for the most part, all my favorite rappers are in their thirties or forties. So yeah, I'm, I'm uh, right there with you. Yes. So yeah. All right. So Let's see. You already described yourself as a hip hop fan, but um, but but actually, let's go let's go a little deeper in that. So, how would you describe yourself as a hip hop fan beyond just the 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 decades? Like, what kind of what was your type of rap? Ooh, so growing up, my type of rap was literally. Um, actually, let me backtrack on that. Um, you mentioned earlier that um, Bone was actually one of the first album, rap albums that was in the household that you and your brother listened to. Uh, that was actually the same case for me. Uh, I'll, we'll get into which album it was uh, in a few minutes, but Bone Thugs, uh, DMX, and Nelly were actually the first rappers that I was introduced to um, growing up. Um, and it was through my father who at the time uh bought cassette tapes for us 
Uh, and those were the first uh, cassette uh, tapes that I owned along with Tupac's Until the End of Time. Okay. Um, so I grew up very heavy on them. Um, I can't necessarily say that at the time I had like a specific coast or area region that I listened to because I was exposed to, um, you know, the West Coast with Tupac and New York with DMX, St. Louis with Nelly. Um, so um, I had that opportunity to actually just get to learn and appreciate um, each regional styles. And oh, yeah, and Outkast too. That was a big one growing up in the household. Um, but uh, before I was exposed to rap um, or hip hop in general, um, my mother uh, always played music in the house and uh, she was a big uh, Digital Underground fan. Oh, wow. uh, so uh, we listened to a lot of that. Um, of you mentioned all the that I've done episodes on. That's crazy. Yeah, it was I find so awesome. That's why I told you, like, man, you need to have me on these more often. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, uh, we listened to a lot of digital underground and um, it was more so like old school 80s R&B that um, was awesome because uh, it allowed us the chance to actually hear where a lot of the rap songs uh, sampled their music from. Right. Okay. Yeah, that that's so interesting because like for me, it was so opposite in terms of my mom was so anti-rap. Like my mom was all about <laughs> 70s music and Caribbean music and she oh, did yeah. not care. My parents did not. My dad eventually came around a little bit. He, you know, he he listened to the roots with me. But but I'm in some Lauren Hill. But um yeah, but my mom was so anti and you know any any hip hop for me. But so it's always crazy to me when I hear people that have parents that were like listening to hip hop cuz it's like it's it's such a, like a foreign concept to me. Yes. But, um, <laughs> you know, honestly, she didn't get hesitant about us listening to hip hop and rap until the era when like Juvenile came out. Too Short really? was super popular because, you know, it started dropping the P word and it started to get more sexually vulgar than anything else. And yeah. she was like, okay, now I need to reconsider when you listen to this. It's one <laughs> thing to listen about violence, but it's another thing when you're exposed <laughs> to sex at a young age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny where people people draw their their boundaries on stuff because it's it just it just depends that on on one sense some people would be like you know we'll see sex as like not as nearly not as bad as yeah gangster music or music literally about like killing people but on the other side people people see it the opposite so it's it's always interesting where people draw draw lines on stuff. Agreed. Yeah. So. All right. So how did you first become aware of Bone Thugs and what was your your first impression? Hmm. I can actually um, tell you that I was physically exposed to them because of my godmother. Um, So we actually moved. um, So let me backtrack. Um, We lived in Warrensville, Ohio for the first six years of my life. And um, some circumstances occurred to where we winded up moving uh, with my grandmother, who lived off of 125th in St. Clair. Mm-hmm. And um, my mother, she graduated from Glenville High School, and a lot of her friends and a lot of our family members lived in the Glenville neighborhood. So um, while growing up, we used to go visit my um, godmother, uh, Auntie Annette off of East 97th 
And um, in order to get down to East 97th, you had to go down St. Clair, turn right onto East 99th, and then there was a side street that you had to turn left on, and then you'll go down East 97th. So um, Annette's son, he was about 10 years older than us, and he always hung out with the guys outside. Um, he was uh, he, he hung out with a pretty rough patch of people. And uh, one of the people he actually used to rap with was crazy. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't know, I wasn't fully familiar with the whole concept. They all had weird rap names at the time. <laughs> you know, as a child, like back in 93, 94, you're not thinking, right. <laughs> you know, big deal, anything like that. And um, it wasn't until I was actually in the sixth grade when um, I actually started listening to their music because they were played on the radio station all the time, 93.1, and then it was like 107.9, the radio stations. And it was just something about their delivery when it came to rapping that actually caught my attention at such a young age. Of course, that, you know, around 12 or 13, you're still trying to understand certain concepts and stuff, but it was just something about their cadence that was just drawing. And um, the first song uh, was For the Love of Money that really caught my attention. And I've been a huge Bone fan since then. So that was about, yeah, started in 93 and kind of dragged on since. (laughs) Yeah, that's great because I... You know, I granted Selena was already popular, but I saw like Selena at a pretty young age. And it's always crazy to me because I always think about how many people my age can say they got to see Selena in concert. I'm jealous. (laughs) But, but, you know, but at the time I didn't care for her. It was like, man, you know, she makes this other type of music, you know, but, but yeah, but it's like, I remember seeing her in concert and literally probably within the next year she was murdered and then be like, holy crap. And, and you know, and Selena shares the same hometown as me, you know, she, before she moved to Corpus Christi, um, she was in Lake Jackson, Texas. So we went to the same elementary school and stuff. So uh, I always have this uh, weird, weird connection. Connection with, yeah, with, with, with Selena. Um, so, but, but yeah, so it's crazy. Yeah. That you got to experience them when they were, we were still in the bone enterprise mode and probably not far from when they were the bandaid boys. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We, which, by the way, you know that there's uh, the New Age Band Aid Boys, their right. sons and nephews, oh, really? they have a group going right now. <laughs> okay. Okay. So, so, I mean, so I guess you got into a little bit, but I mean, how do you describe yourself as a fan of them today? Uh, I love them together as a group. Um, the last time I saw them in concert actually was back in 2019 in Texas. Mm-hmm. And the fact that, you know, of course, the older you get, you think that you kind of lose your talent. You don't rap as fast, but they still have it. Um, their their energy together is phenomenal. Um, solo wise, you could tell that they're still missing something. Um, granted, their work is good, um, especially um, Lazy when he did his annihilation uh, against the whole Migos 
battle thing. <laughs> uh, you, you know, you can hear the, you can hear the energy, you can hear the passion that they still have for the love of music. But at the same time, I feel like as a group, they work so harmonically together that yeah. I love them as a group more than I do as individual artists. Right, right. I understand. Yeah, totally understandable. All right. Okay. So we're gonna. I'll get into my my history portion. I should have told you to do the history portion. You know that you know the history more than than me. You you don't experience it. it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but but for what for what I got, and honestly, with with all the history portions, I try to give people a, a basic rundown, but I don't try to give. Uh, full on bios. I mean, you know, you can look up more information if you want. With the DMX one, I probably got carried away because I have literally read his biography. So oh, come I, on, I man, his life is just. <laughs> who doesn't want to talk about DMX right now? Like rest in peace to him. <laughs> right, right. So for uh, so for Bone Thugs, formed in uh, 1991 in Cleveland, Ohio. Members included uh, Crazy Bone, Lazy Bone, Busy Bone, Wish Bone, and sometimes it includes Flesh and Bone. He's he's uh he's there sometimes. Sometimes he's in jail, but and you know and and as we go on to it, you know that they're often missing somebody, whether it's Busy or you know the one project it was Crazy and Wish. But um, so they released their debut independently called uh, Faces of Death in 1993. Mm-hmm. So I mean, did you listen to the Faces of Death album? I did. And that is around the time where it was just, um, it's not my favorite album because you can see it tell that they're still trying to figure out the kinks (laughs) within (laughs) their style. Um, but when are we going to, um, I don't want to cut too far into the conversation, but I feel that was actually a good starting ground prior to this whole G funk definition mm. that they're trying to put on the group <laughs> so yeah and that was their trial and error album <laughs> okay yeah so um so you know they pitched their album to record companies um eventually got got a, got around to easy e he said he would call them back um he didn't and they decided that they were going to go out to la and they couldn't get a hold of him while they're out in la and by the time they found out uh where he was uh, Easy E was actually ironically in Cleveland, so then they end up taking the Greyhound back and uh, finally meeting up with Easy E in Cleveland, and they auditioned for him in the dressing room and basic and got signed uh, to Ruthless Records right there, essentially on the spot. So one thing though that you know, and I actually don't have this on on my slides here, but one thing that's interesting to me is when we, we when we tell like the story of NWA and Ruthless Records. Mm-hmm. do people do people really attach bone thugs to it never it which it which blows my mind <laughs> it always blows my mind that they do not include bone thugs because like easily e was their mentor like they he literally brought them in under that record label but the only time that everybody ever talks about ruthless records is like nwa and forget about bones altogether <laughs> right yeah like i yeah and that's the part that's oh it always just kills me about it because i look at it like bone bone continued the nwa legacy of ruthless records here but right? they're not they're just not discussed in the no. at, at all when we when people really talk about the the legacy of nwa right so yeah it's def- definitely something i always i always think about in my head all right so um 
All right. So as as I kind of go through this history, I got questions as we go through. So I'm a we kind of talked about their origins with the faces of death and stuff. And I, I would I split the first era. I called the the DJ unique era. So we're talking about from, you know, 94 to 97, mm. where majority of their production was done by DJ Unique. They had their Creepin' On a Come Up. They had the East 99 Eternal. And mm. they had the Art of War in 1997. So overall, mm-hmm. what's what's your first just I thoughts or, or things that come to your mind when you think about that mid-90s era of Bone Thugs? <sighs> Melodic, aggressive music. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which was um you know they're rapping about violence they're rapping about what happened on happened in their daily lives they're you could tell that there's a lot of internal battles that they were struggling with as well um when they mentioned like the demons that they had to fight and um the music and the bass that went along with it actually make you feel the pain and the struggles that they went through so I would say it was a very heavily intense era that they (laughs) had to come out not only just aggressively to um, express their emotions but I feel like that was also their footstep that they had to put in the world of hip-hop to let people know like hey this is what we do this is what we love this is the passion we have we aren't going anywhere right right okay okay yeah, I mean, to to me, like, especially the Creepin' On to Come Up and East 99 Eternal, I mean, I've always looked at those two projects as just absolute masterpieces. Like, I, I absolutely agree. <laughs> yeah, I absolutely just, you know, thought those those two projects were so amazing. And it's one of those things to where, yeah, I thought they were amazing as a kid when I barely knew of any hip hop, but I still think they're amazing today. Like it's yes. like it's never changed. It's, 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 no matter yes. how, how much time goes by, I still can go back to those and and love Thuggish Ruggish Bone and love for the love of money and and all the other stuff. The, the land of the heartless, living the Mo Murder, all, just all those tracks. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> how did you feel about DJ Unique as a producer? Uh, he was good. Um, I felt like he definitely took a lot of risk with. Um, when it came to the different styles that were introduced, um, because once again, during that era, um, you know, a lot of people weren't ready for those type of sounds. And he creatively said, forget it. Like, this is what we're going to do. I know this is something that you all aren't used to, but, you know, I feel this sound is great and we're going to run with it. So I do like the fact that he just took a chance with, uh, you know, with what he was able to produce. He found the perfect group to um, experiment with. And I did feel like that, um, you know, they uh, their chemistry worked so well with each other to where they were able to produce like such phenomenal songs and albums. Oh yeah, and I mean, come on! The fact that he was also nominated with the best rap album—that's just say enough as it is for the Grammys. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's 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 one of those things, and it's it's just one of those interesting things about certain producers because it's like, you know, DJ Unique is not some popular producer. He didn't work mm-hmm. with a whole bunch of artists. He's not some big name person, but for this one group. Mm-hmm. You know, he just he mastered exactly what, you know, their sound was going to be and how to how to work with them and was just like the ultimate producer for Bone Thugs. 
and mm-hmm. and it's always interesting to me when you have these producers that are that are like that to where it's like you know they're, they're the opposite of i guess the pharrells and timberlands of the world they're just like they they've really honed in with one group and mastered how to work with that one group yes we'll go we'll go and move to what i consider the next era so i'm a <laughs> I, I had a i had a trouble figuring out how to label eras because the bone thugs um, yeah, they, they came they the, left they the came group, back together the they broke up it's so all over the place there's not very well-defined eras but i I call the next era the, the late ruthless records era so the 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 bone thugs resurrection album then thug world order this is basically from like about 98 to 2002 so this is a little a short era here but i guess you know while they were still with ruthless records before they left so do you have any thoughts about them during like this time period? You could tell that um, they were starting to mature more within their music and they wanted to venture out more into having uh, featured artists on their yeah. songs. Um, if you notice in the beginning, there weren't as many features. And then when you get into like um, Bone Thugs and Harmony Resurrection, it's like, whoa, <laughs> why is everyone <laughs> literally on this album? Uh, but I guess we could talk about that one a little later, too. Um, yeah. But um, I felt like that's when they try to get. Um, I felt during that era too, and this is just my personal opinion. There was almost a sense of that they were uh, they lost their sound uh, because they're trying to sound more mainstream. Um, you had more of a, like a lighter baseline, more instrumentals as opposed to doing the synthesizers. And um, the messages became more um, deeply meaningful as opposed to just rapping more so about like drugs and like killing people. (laughs) Okay. Okay. All right. And then, and then we'll get into this, uh, this last era here. So, and, and I just called it modern era, but yes, it's the, the era of the rotating lineups and the changing labels. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> and then Thugs and <laughs> so basically from from 2003 to now so how do you how do you feel about bone thugs and in, in these last you know 16 17 years here i like the beginning and mid era better i can say in my opinion uh yeah. this newer era like i have mentioned before um you could tell um with their newer material that is a little choppy and I don't know if it's just because of like the hurricane effects of what was happening with the groups uh, to where that they had to prove themselves and make sure that their solo album solo albums were better than the group albums uh, but you could tell that it just really didn't translate to perfect material um, out of the newer stuff honestly like strength and loyalty and the art of war uh, World War Three, those are probably the best albums mm-hmm. out of the chaos. Um, yeah. I don't even know if we can necessarily call it chaos um, because you know ultimately at the end of the day, everyone has their time where they do want to work on themselves as individuals. Um, but I do feel those two albums in the newer era were probably their best release albums as a group, as I mentioned. Right. <laughs> To put a little bit more of uh, yeah, my thoughts with it, it's just, it, it was always hard for me to try to figure out one or two things. It was almost like, how much of this is, I fell in love with, you know, their early material and I just, and I'm, that's my expectation and they can't meet it again. And how much of it is just, 
Like how I always wonder how much of it is me and how much of it is them taking a step back in terms of they don't have the same, I guess, camaraderie, the same chemistry, the same focus and, mm-hmm. you know, and, and everything put together to continue to make music as great as, you know, when they first got in. So mm-hmm. I, you know, so it's, it's, it's just one of those interesting things. Cause I think for me, like as as much as I love creeping on a come up in East ninety nine Eternal, it's like after that I always felt like there's Bone Thug songs I like, but in terms of projects I would be like it's cool, but I don't love it, you know. And it just yeah. and it's just a whole lot of that for the rest of their career. And there's part of me that feels like I should. It's always like it's always worth checking out for me because I know what they're capable of. So it's yeah. never, I never skip an album. I at least listen to it, but it's a little. But it's been easier for me to just say like, okay, I'm gonna listen to it. There's the there's these couple songs I like that I keep on a playlist or so, you know, and then I kind of move on and don't really re- return to it. And I've I've kind of been that's kind of been me since that yeah that early um, era with that. And and I and I guess that's one thing I'm also curious with was um how how did you feel with the the art of war? Uh, nine the ninety seven one yeah, the 97 or the later one. The ninety-seven so, art of war. I actually enjoyed uh the art of war. That's uh mm-hmm. actually um I have a couple of favorite songs from that album um yeah. itself. But um that you could tell that there was some turmoil that was occurring with it because you know that you have your select bone albums where you know you can listen through without skipping a single song. This yeah. was actually one of the first albums that I was like, Oh man, I actually gotta skip a couple of these. I'm not really feeling <laughs> them as much as <laughs> thought I would um yeah but yeah I think that's when they started playing with the different sounds around that time too um but you know once again with a DJ unique um you know he probably is just he was probably playing around with a couple of things and it's all about trying to keep up with the times what's going to sell you know what sounds are going to be you know new versus uh what sounds will actually catch people's attention based on current trends yeah yeah, because I mean, because for me, it's always like in my head, I still feel like I, sh- I should like the art of war more than more than I do because yeah. it, it, in my head is like I I was going I went into it such a big Bone Thugs fan, but and and I did get it kind of late because because Darren didn't buy that CD, so it it was like a year or two kind of late, and then it's like I'm downloading it, and then you know I mean obviously I knew the hit songs, but. And maybe that plays into it too. Is like I'm I'm getting it a few years late anyway, but yeah. But when I did kind of come across it, I just remember feeling like I don't feel like any of these songs are bad. Like it's cool, it's listenable. But as much as like the hip hop I was downloading and pouring into, especially in that early 2000s era when downloading finally really became a thing, right? It was like it just it wasn't it, you know it just wasn't an album I really went back to much. And right, I was actually right. trying to re-listen to it a little bit before before the podcast these last few days and, and listening to it again. And and even and now, and I feel like if I, okay, if I listen to it more, I think I do appreciate it more. But at the same time, it just, it never, it never really grabbed me the way mm-hmm. that their, their earlier material had, had grabbed me. Mm-hmm. So. I agree. I agree. All right. So and then, then the that that, uh, Sorry, I was about to say the fact that they that was one of their first albums that has so many songs. And it's oh, like yeah. and I always have the thing like, okay, if there's at least six songs that catches 
my attention then it's a decent album and it was like ah oh, it was barely five that was like really <laughs> hard hitters <laughs> yeah and I, and I think yeah i think that just was the trend in that time period it was like tupac came out with his double album biggie came out with his double album wu-tang came out with their double album and yes. bone thugs came out with their double album and, and I, everyone wanted to go that whole double album route and yeah and maybe if they just cut it down in a half <laughs> and pick pick the the best songs uh you know and made it a 13 song album it you know i would have felt differently about it you know but at the yeah when it at the time it did just feel like it's a, there's a lot of music to get through and i'm not getting enough bang for my buck in terms of the listening here so quality <laughs> over quantity yeah but just to wrap up the history part i do want to also just mention that they had four platinum projects in a row you know, from Creeping on a Come Up to the Bone Thugs Resurrection album. Um, I had 10 albums, two EPs. We got one Grammy. And as I mentioned before, they were part of Ruthless Records from 94 to 2002. So they definitely held it down for that company after that NWA era. Mm-hmm. You helped me out with the history part. So now now's the actual discussion part. And so and I'm glad that I didn't have to talk throughout the whole history. So so now we get into the real discussion here. Ooh, so, the meat and bones. Oh yeah. <laughs> All pun intended. Right. <laughs> so so obviously you kind of discussed this, but maybe you can go go a little further with it. So I mean, what would you say made them kind of just reach the heights that they did with that style? Uh, it was unique. Um, you didn't have that many people that rapped as fast um as them around that time. Um that was all around the time where you know Twista was starting to become known and Bone was actually just the first one to be um, known nationwide as opposed to just staying in the Midwest region Um, but I would say between the uh, speed of rapping the um, rhythm that they brought with it um, it wasn't just you know rapping words to be rapping words like it actually went along with the beat and the deep bass line, like that was a big thing around that time, was it had to have a, a heavy bass line in the background to bring out the depth of the songs. It almost sounded like the apocalypse just opening up with the but and <laughs> <laughs> hearing that in the car um, around that time, um, the big thing um, with a lot of the um, guys in the um, inner city, inner city Cleveland, like St. Clair area, especially, everyone had to drive a, a Bronco or some sort of Ford Explorer or Expedition. They had to have the huge subwoofers with the 20 speakers, the tweakers and everything. And, you know, everyone knew that Bone Thugs was playing because of the bass line. So I was like, I would say actually out of everything, the bass line was probably what really made Bone, especially in Cleveland. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's the crazy thing to me when I think about it was like, in Lake Jackson, Texas, Bone was really big too, though. It's and, and 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 when I say that, I just mean like I literally just remember even amongst the you know the East Coast, West Coast, and the all the great Tupac and Biggie stuff and everything else coming out, or just or all the Coolio getting played in the mid nineties. But like with like the, our radio station literally played Bone like a hell of a lot. So mm-hmm. like it like they were they were super huge in Lake Jackson, Texas too. Like it was it was pretty it was pretty crazy. I mean, I felt like you definitely ran into a lot of there's definitely a lot of Bone Thugs fan, a lot of Bone Thugs love 
down in in that Houston area too. That it was it was pretty pretty crazy. <laughs> yeah, so, definitely. Um, yeah, I mean, do you do you typically prefer rappers that rap fast? You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because I love Tech Nine, I love Twista, I love Eminem. <laughs> so there might be a yes to that, and I may get some flack for this. This is absolutely fine, um, but you know, Drake isn't one of my favorite rappers because I feel like he is a little too uh, melancholic and a little slow for my liking so dar i think you might actually brought up a good point i think i do like people who can rap fast like it always intrigues me that anyone can talk that fast and let alone rap that fast and still have the ability to fully enunciate every uh, syllable in a word so just for checking how you feel about buster rhymes Oh man, Buster. I love him too. I can't believe I left him out. My heart. <laughs> oh, I love Buster Rhymes and I love this new Buster Rhymes too. I don't care what anyone says. Like, he lost that weight and got fit in. <laughs> he still can hold it down. Okay, okay. That's that's interesting. That's interesting. I mean, I feel like I like a mixture and stuff of I don't know, different paces, but I mean, it's just it's just an advantage, though, when you rap fast in terms of you can literally just fit more into into what you're saying. You can just explain things more thoroughly and stuff. So I don't know. It's, it's I feel like I like rappers at different paces, but definitely, you know, the, the fast rapping does bring out something that that's a little, little extra cool, especially whenever it's something I, you can't imitate because it's like, yes, there's so many rappers I can just rap along to. But there's always part of me that always wishes I was like, I want to go to a karaoke and do a Twista song right. and really just shut the shit down. <laughs> yes. And have everyone doing the, oh, <laughs> and you know what? Um, I need to give this person credit as well when it comes to rapping faster because he's on point when he does it too. And, you know, people may agree or disagree, but Chris Brown really has. Oh, really? <laughs> Yes, uh, the um, the look at me now with him and Buster Rhymes, and when he raps mm-hmm. with um, uh, Joiner Lucas, like he he goes in. <laughs> okay, I've yeah, I haven't I haven't paid attention. I I'm, I didn't, I didn't really keep the look at me now song. I do remember it, but I didn't really remember it like that. But yeah, I'll have to I'll have to check that out. Yes, for for, for fast it. rappers, though, yeah, I'm gonna check I'm gonna it shout after out. the podcast like immediately after <laughs> okay okay yeah i guess for fast rappers while we're on the subject I'll, I'll i'll give a shout out to jazzo um oh yes old school rapper but man he was he was he could he can spit really fast too yeah but um and and since you brought it up i wasn't gonna get on the the, the tangent but since you brought up drake i can't Uh-oh. i can't help but bring it up. <laughs> but, I, but 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 yeah and i'm as someone that like does a hip hop podcast, it's always funny to me because in terms of like wondering like what what about what happens when people want to do rappers that I don't really listen to, even if they're mega popular. And yeah, and Drake was one of these people that I never got into, never understood the appeal to, never felt impressed by him and was always super confused about like this. I'm so rich. I'm so famous but I'm still having all these problems with women in my friend circle. 
and, and all this stuff and these hoes ain't loyal and it's like but right you're, you're not supposed to be like like what are you crying about it for yeah and exactly I, like i've i never understood why so many people it's almost like i get to an extent why if he appeals to women but i've never understood why even in the male community he's like so beloved because he i just i find him so unrelatable it's crazy because you would think that I would find the DMXs of the world unrelatable. And no, it's I find Drake as a super unrelatable rapper. I'm just like, I don't understand how this guy's mind works at all. But Well, I just, think it's because know. of the fact that he, you know, he does, what does, what genre does he really fall under? And I think that's the thing. Like, you know, has he really mastered being a rapper or has he really mastered being a pop artist? Has he mastered right. being, let me tell you this. Uh, this will be a quick story. Um, I am not a Drake fan at all. There are a couple of songs that are catchy, you know, and I feel yeah. like, you know, those are songs that you sing. And I feel like it's because of the fact that it's just been so engraved into my memory because of the fact it is played on the radio everywhere on a re uh, regular basis. But when we were moving, uh, we were uh, driving, we drove from Kansas to here in California. It was two, over 2000 miles that we drove. And I was wow. listening to Pandora and every Pandora station I listened to, it started off with Bone. And for some reason, there was some sort of feature that came up that included Drake and it turned from a Bone station to a Drake station. So I was like, you know what? Let me go to a different genre. I'm going to go <laughs> listen to uh, some Neo Soul. So I put on India Ire. Next thing you know, there's somebody's on there featuring Drake. And then I was like, ah, I can't listen to his voice right now i'm going to another station i went through i went through reggae i went through uh reggae tone i went through salsa bachata and drake was on everything and i was like you know i'm so frustrated i'm just gonna listen to country music god dog it even drake would got you infiltrated the country <laughs> So I think that's actually why Drake is relatable. He is a marketing genius. He knows who to do his features with and how to reach the mass crowds. I yeah. can't stand it. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, well, that's crazy. All right. So so speaking of rappers like Drake, do you prefer the melodic flows or or um I guess other types of rap rapping? Um Melodic is always catchy because like with me, um, because I'm such a music head, I love instrumentals and, you know, it's the music that really catches me. Um, and if you can like go along with the music, then um, and cause like the head bobbing to occur, then I'm always down with that. But I'm also um, into rap that actually has depth to it. So it may not necessarily have to have the rhythm of bone thugs, but if you are actually speaking some sort of relevancy of like what's going on that could relate to like, you know, current day struggles or, you know, um, politics, anything that has some sort of relevance, um, which is why um, this could be a whole different conversation, why I really love Nipsey. Um, of course, he wasn't like the world's fastest rapper or anything like that, but when he rapped, like, it was just so many deep meanings and things that he discussed um, that really caught my attention. So I would have to say, like, substance along with, like, having that melodic tune to it is what really draws me in okay all right so so here's here's the question that thought was a weird one to ask but oh 
not a weird one per se, but it's one of those weird things that where I don't I don't know where the bone thug style comes from. And the reason why I bring this up is because you look at like Detroit and you're gonna see the the people like Kid Rock and Eminem and even the I don't know if you pronounce it Natus or Natus, but one of them, you you see the mm-hmm. rock rap thing in there. You talk you look at the Oakland area, you see the the funk in their music. Mm-hmm. You look at UGK, they like their their gospel organs and stuff like that. Now the Bone Thugs have this really random mix of styles in terms of this fast rapping, it's gangster rap, and it also has this harmonizing R and B soulness to it. And so the question is, do you think that there's something about Cleveland that influenced that style, or do you think they just completely randomly came up with it? I feel it was a combination um, that occurred with it. Um, now with Cleveland influences, one of the biggest things, like regardless of if you were famous or not, was the whole, um, you know, all the men would stand on the corners of like the streets and they will always have like rap, rap battles, beatboxing and stuff like that. And um, there was an interview that I watched years ago with Bone where um, Crazy actually um, explained the whole um, concept with the beatboxing and how they thought like oh man that was kind of dope you know what if we actually harmonize while rapping and you know include that in their songs and um i feel the beatboxing era uh contribute to them doing the harmonizing and then with the speed of it um you know this there's no telling where that came from. Um, there's no Cleveland. I can tell you, there is zero Cleveland influence on that. It's like <laughs> Kid Cudi, Fat Owl. Like, I don't know any rappers <laughs> that raps as fast as Bone. Um, that was something that was just genuinely a natural talent that they exposed to the world. That is not a Cleveland thing. That is a Bone thing. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I mean, it- I, from the outside looking in, I think uh, we regionally we just look at it like it's a Midwest thing. We just like, well, Bone does it and Twista does it, so maybe it's just the Midwest thing. They just like to rap faster than the rest of us. <laughs> but, uh, but I, you know, but yeah, it's 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 kind of hit and miss and kind of random with it. So yeah, so I don't know. But okay, so the next thing I brought up was, um, you know, when looking on Wikipedia, they have a label of Bone as G Funk. And I was curious about what your take on of, of that was. I blame Easy. <laughs> <laughs> and the reason why was because of the fact that Easy took them in. And um the West Coast always already had that unique style. Um with the uh, uh, it's, it's not even necessarily the synthesizers, but like like they had that unique tune to it and you know of course with Eazy having that west coast influence he is going to try to infiltrate and put that into some of Bone's songs and it just worked so well for them I felt like their first few albums was G-Funk based but they you know as you get into that mid-era Bone it kind of slowly dissipated yeah but yeah, no, they were definitely heavily influenced with G-Funk when they first came out. Uh, it's yeah. like the G-Funk, you have the crazy sounds in the background, you know, that you could crip walk to or <laughs> gang shootouts happens from it. And <laughs> you have the 
uh, baseline. That was a big thing on the West Coast as well. Um, especially if you look, um, listen back to like Snoop Dogg and Ice Cube uh, songs, even though their actual instrumental and beats was basic, they always had to have that weird do, 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 do. like it always had to have that tune to it. Okay, okay. Because I guess, I guess for for my thoughts on it, it was almost like most most of the West Coast, I'll just say G funk, I listen to kind of maintains a similar bpm and i don't know just between warren g and dr dre and stuff like that mm-hmm. you know dj unique definitely had his own sound and like the way he played with bpms or and i wouldn't say play with bpms but he used a lot of variable bpms in bone thugs music and granted they're the perfect group to do that with they yeah. will rap to any type Anything. of tempo <laughs> yes. and make it work. So, so that's what. So, I guess for me, it's always weird because when I think of, oh, I'm putting a G Funk playlist together, I don't really think of Bone Thugs as a group I'm include. Now, I do, but I do mm-hmm. understand, like, I guess with the creeping on a come up without uh, that EP, that mm-hmm. one feels G Funkish to me. Yeah, but I just felt like after that, th- their music. I don't know. I always looked at their music as just in its own world or own realm Mm -hmm. just because i felt like what dj unique was doing sounded just different than than dre and warren g but Mm -hmm. but i do i do definitely agree that the the influence is there it's just in terms of you know where do you label it i always i thought it was interesting to see uh, the g-funk label for bone thugs but yeah no i would say they start off as g-funk and then no they're just hip-hop rap yeah. <laughs> gangster rap whatever you want to call it nowadays yeah. <laughs> not g-funk they started off as g-funk okay so do you have a, a preference with bone thugs between them leaning more into i guess the a soft r&b nature or the more i guess hardcore uh aggressive rap I like the I like both honestly because you know you could go as hard as like Thug Love <laughs> and then you could go as soft as Days of Our Lives. They sound good on both uh, both sides or both ends of the spectrum. Okay, okay. Do you have a favorite member? I think it depends on my mood. <laughs> <laughs> I love la- Lazy Man. He goes crazy insane on the tracks. Busy is like the whole multiple multiple personalities that you get throughout the journey of Bone Thugs and Harmony. I love that aspect. So I think it just depends on like the mood and what exactly you're asking when it comes to that. Because, you know, okay. I have, uh, each one of them, I have like a specific thing that I really love about them. Flesh, I wish he would just stay out of jail so we could enjoy him more. <laughs> yeah, that'd be helpful um, yeah yeah for me i was i was always a crazy bone person like i don't know what Mm -hmm. it was but even as a a fast raspy voice yeah even as a kid like when bone thugs music would come on because obviously i would tire out trying to rap all of their verses so (laughs) i would always specifically be like i'm gonna just try to do that and also because they're you know their hooks would have so many multiple voices going on at once and stuff like that i would always like just want to play the crazy bone part like that was like that's what the role i want to do so i would i mean i would try to rap their verses but when it came to like the hooks i would always be like you know okay what what is crazy bone doing and that's the part i want to sing along to in my head so i don't know i was always a i was always a crazy bone person i think first and then probably Mm -hmm. busy after that okay (laughs) nice yeah 
in term, but in terms of uh, content, I mean, do you have a preference in terms of which songs you like the most? Would it be the more "I'm Ready to Kill People" songs, the weed songs, or just other randomness? You know what? Let me look at my top ten list right quick. <laughs> <laughs> this might be a telltale on me. <laughs> it's all the weed songs. <laughs> all the violence (laughs) (laughs) oh yeah um yeah i guess uh i have a violent streak (laughs) nothing wrong with that nothing wrong with that yes all right a couple more before we get into our our favorite stuff so here we go um so how'd you just generally feel about their expanded uh mothug family kept going honestly um Mm -hmm. they had a couple of songs uh that were really good um but you know it's unfortunate that like the more people you work with the uh less likely that group will continue on um it's just a horrible horrible curse within the music industry um but yeah the ghetto cowboys like (laughs) that is a song that will forever speak to my heart oh my god (laughs) love that song (laughs) okay 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 what do you think bone thugs uh legacy is or what would you say about it their legacy is amazing um i don't know if you heard their kids rapping nowadays but they're 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 continuing bones legacy their same speed um you know they're talking about their uh modern day struggles as well and um i wish they were as um they were more mainstream than what they are i'm sure once they become of legal age then we'll definitely hear more of them uh but they're they've definitely set their um their footprint in the music industry and um a lot of people whether they will admit it or not they will always be influenced in some way shape or form by bone especially if they want to try to rap in some sort of fast melodic aggressive way (laughs) Right. Yeah. I mean, I guess when I think about it, I really just think of the whole, it is not, not as much the fast part, but just the melodic rapping because it's such a dominant thing today. And bone did it at a time where no one else was doing it. Yes. And, and what, and also bone was doing it with, uh, without auto tune. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Without auto tune and they weren't making up words. (laughs) Real words. (laughs) <laughs> yeah because i mean because on the and i because i spoke a lot about that same thing with with nelly and the country grammar but mm-hmm. you know bone bone predates nelly by by a lot of years too and it's like yeah yes. what bone bone was doing was truly tr- not not just truly unique but just truly unique in any era and that's the part yes. that's even crazier is that bone didn't sound like anything else in the 90s they don't sound like anything else in the 2000s they don't sound like anything today they're, they're exactly. unique in any They're era. unique, yes. Yeah. I'll say the only time that there was a close resemblance and why I see people could have been confused about whether or not it's considered Midwest, Midwest music, uh, around the time with uh, Twister's Adrenaline Rush, uh, mm-hmm. you could hear that there was some sort of similarities with the um, beats, but of course you could see that their styles were so uniquely different. Yeah, okay. All right, so... um. Anything else you want to speak on before we get into our favorites? I mean, do you want to turn this into a three-hour segment? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, I'm sure it'll pop up soon enough. Let's go. (laughs) Okay, okay. All right, so 
we're gonna we're starting with the, our three favorite projects, and we're putting them in order. And I included EPs in this. Actually, I'm I'm gonna start with my number three, and then you're gonna you're gonna do your number three. So you my might number be three. Mad. I'm gonna be mad. <laughs> we'll see. Go ahead. <laughs> no, my number three is strength and loyalty. Me so um. Too! Oh wow. <laughs> Okay, guess you're not gonna be bad after all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, for yeah, ultimately, like out of like all of their later projects, I think that's just the one that spoke to me the most, or I just enjoyed it more overall. I kind of just felt like, you know, I felt like they were a little bit more on on the same wave again, and and yeah. overall, I just en- enjoyed the songs a bit a bit more on that one. Mm-hmm. So yeah, definitely, strength and loyalty is my number three. Yeah, I so. agree too. Um, and then I like the guest appearances. Um, people you would least expect. Uh, the fact that like Bow Wow <laughs> was featured on there, and like you you go from like Bow Wow to Swiss Beast to Yolanda Adams. Like it's yeah. just such a wide range of style and genre, and I love that they incorporated it to make it a really decent album. Okay. All right, I'll let you uh let you do your number two. I would have to say Bone Thugs and Harmony Resurrection. Okay, interesting. So why why do you have that as your number two? That was uh that was the time where, like I mentioned, uh, where a lot of the um, uniqueness started to come out uh, with uh, having more of the features on there. And um, that was also <laughs> the last time that Flesh was actually appearing on an album before he was unfortunately incarcerated. Uh, <laughs> but um, I felt around that time, like, was that the year 2000? Um, that was around, like, the South was getting really popular with cash money and stuff like that. Yeah. And Bone was able to uh, release this album with just so much <laughs> energy um now this one i do feel like it was like a combination of uh like weed songs um but uh they had like their little violence here and there but uh like serving the fiends um the resurrection song uh the weed song it's just the way that they put the beast together during this album it was really good okay and yeah, like I'll at that, that time, like why am I, why am I in two thousand? What am I eleven years old? Like I'm singing these songs, <laughs> but, <laughs> but they were just so good. They were really catchy. Right. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'm definitely gonna have to revisit that one because I don't I I don't remember that one very much, and it's been a long time since I've listened to it. So I'll have to I'll have to re-listen to it. Yeah, definitely. And um, and this may or may not be a little known fact, but that was actually one of the last albums that Flesh was so heavily um featured in it. Like he was in almost all of them, all of the songs but one. Okay. All right, all right. So so my number two, I went the I went the EP route, and I just went with Creeping on a Come Up. It's okay. super short, and I know there's not a lot of songs to it, but mm-hmm. damn it, I love the songs that are on it. So, yes, I do so, love it. So. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, to me, to me, uh, thuggish, ruggish, bone, and for the love of money are worth five good songs. So, I uh, I definitely had to put that as my number two. But okay. also, I like I like the whole Mister Ouija thing in, in yeah. the beginning of it. Like, you it, know, it this tone that's so so crazy to me that I, I really enjoy. 
So I have to admit this. This is probably the appropriate place to admit it. For the longest time, I thought Mr. Ouija was like their mascot or something with how often (laughs) (laughs) they mentioned him. And like, I didn't know what the heck a Ouija board was growing up. Yeah, to be honest, I don't I don't remember when I found out what a Ouija board was or what Ouija really was. I mean, maybe because I had older brothers, like I asked them about it at some point and kind of got an understanding. But yeah, I don't remember when I like really learned. Yes. But yeah, that's interesting. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay, so uh I guess I guess I'll start with my number one. It's it's East Ninety Nine Eternal. I was about to say we might be twinning it. Yes, that is yeah. my number one too. I mean, <laughs> self-explanatory. There's really nothing else to say about it. <laughs> right. Like yeah, it's, as I said before, I think of this album as a masterpiece. And and for yes. anyone, granted, my podcast is is young and there's not a lot of episodes, but I promise you, I don't call things masterpieces a lot. There are a lot of people that you know, every year they'll say two or three albums or classics and masterpieces or, well, they don't say masterpieces, they say classics. I'm I'm not that type of person. Like, I I do not give out that, that title very often. But to me, that album was a masterpiece. And mm-hmm. I will forever think it's just, you know, just amazing in terms of just, I listen to it all the way through. I don't mm-hmm. want to skip any tracks. I enjoy the tracks. I do all the the skits, you know, the motherfucker did it, and all all the all the things that come come with You're it. Right? Yes. Yo, Reds do, motherfucker. <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. And then the other thing yeah. that was really unique too was, um, you know, around that time we didn't have like your Facebooks and YouTubes and stuff like that to spread the music, um, yeah. but somehow just everywhere around the u.s everyone knew that album outside of the singles that were released on the radio oh yeah so i thought that was pretty dope yeah like i like i'm surprised sometimes when like uh that bud smokers only like wasn't a big song elsewhere because i felt like in lake jackson texas they were constantly playing bud smokers only it's like they would you know they played it just like they were playing first of the month in crossroads so yeah, yeah, like, it yeah. Was, it was loved, man. It was yeah, loved. yes, I agree. All right, okay. So we we got through our favorite album. So I, you know, I don't stretch out this podcast too, too horribly. All we'll right. do our best. <laughs> so, um, all right. So now we're gonna get into where we're actually gonna have some some a lot of differences of opinions. I imagine is the top ten favorite songs. Yes, there's, there's no way we can. I thought me and Darren were gonna be on the same wavelength, and we had very different uh, songs on on our DMX one. So, mm. so I, I mean, but I do think we're gonna we're gonna run into some of the same. But it'll be d- interesting to see where where you listen. Where it rakes, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, so I actually did eleven. And the okay. only reason why, because you said specifically Bone, and then you had you wanted to include a feature too. Like, what's was a favorite that Bone was actually featured on? Oh, okay. And, well, uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't include the feature as part of the ten. Yeah. So but... the only reason why I did that is because the featured is actually my number one song. Oh, okay. My <laughs> number one favorite Bone song. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right. so it's gonna okay. double it's gonna double up for your question <laughs> all right all right that works that works all right well let, let's start with your number 10 so what do you have at your number 10 spot uh the crossroads actually really yeah that's a, that is a big surprise to me 
and why that it was so low on those <laughs> oh yeah that's their that's their main biggest hit song i'm surprised that oh you started God, off with it there's so many other good songs so so many other good songs <laughs> you'll agree with me when i start saying this list <laughs> Okay. All right. Well, well, let's get into it, you know, because I mean, we'll talk about each song as we go, but, uh, but actually we don't have to talk about Crossroads because it's, it's, it's going to be on my list anyway. We'll talk about it then. Okay. <laughs> All right, deal. <laughs> All right. So, so um, my number 10 is Land of the Heartless. Mm, yes. <laughs> That's a good one. That actually did not make it in my top yeah. 10. <laughs> right. I wouldn't expect it to be in people's top 10. But there's something about that song. It has this like creepy kind of animal sounds in the background. Yeah. And just the I love the hook of it. And I just I've always loved the overall feel of it. So that's like a that's like a Darwin sleeper track. Yeah. I absolutely love Land of the Heartless. Yeah, and I also felt like that was a horrible introduction to Cleveland too. Everyone <laughs> 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 thought that we were just these killers. And it's like, no, like <laughs> every, every big city have their issues. Okay, okay. All right, all right. So we we both went the East 99 Eternal route. So I'll yeah. go I'll get into my number 9. Mm-hmm. Actually, I'm actually yeah, I'll go I'll do my number 9. We'll we'll swing it that way. Okay. My number 9, I have Look into my eyes. Me too. Stop it. Oh, God. <laughs> that, okay. So that's one. <laughs> that's crazy. Yes, but yeah, I, I mean, I, yeah, I just I love that, you know, once again as just saying to that, I don't know if I'd call it surrealness to bone thugs of oh look mm-hmm. into my eyes and tell me it's like e- even if they don't say as much at least feels like it's deeper you know it and is. i appreciate it <laughs> yeah and um i don't know if you had access to it growing up um but we were very fortunate to have cable um in our household because my mother worked for uh cable vision at the time before it became time warner uh, yeah. but the music video for it was very drawing too. like with the whole mm-hmm. look into my eyes and tell me and then when it zooms in and the people's eyes I was like oh man I felt that <laughs> yeah I know I know I've seen the music video but it's been it's been so long I don't remember yeah. it I'd have to look at it again it's a memorable music video it's up there yeah. with crossroads in my opinion okay all right, so we both we both had look into my eyes at nine. I didn't was not expecting that. Yeah, not that, expecting so. that. Yeah. Okay, you want me to go with my number eight? Yeah. Then? <laughs> Resurrection. Number Resurrection. Okay. Yes. So what you like about that song? Man, what is there not to like about that song? <laughs> uh, that was actually one of the songs where it was just more. Um, it was a calming, rhythmic rap song uh just the chorus of it the paper 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 is just so catchy and i loved it <laughs> okay 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 all right all right so um my number eight i'm going with evil paradise that's so, a good one <laughs> okay yeah, the, that was my jam i i you know i like the i like the evilness i don't want people to just be like you know oh i'm a tough guy i like no we we, we bring you to the evil paradise See, I'm always into that that surreal Mr. Ouija stuff. So the evil paradise just just you know extends that to a whole nother level. We we into the evil paradise. Absolutely love the hook on it and just and you know enjoy enjoy the verses as well. And just the, the whole mood and, and feeling it gives me and the sets me in that I, I always enjoy evil paradise. So it sounds like with me, I have a violent <laughs> path with bone, and yours sounds like evil and very Wiccan based. <laughs> Got it. 
well, okay, okay. But my, my number seven is gonna gonna change that up. Okay, okay. My, my number seven is Candy Paint with Swiss okay. Beats. Yeah, so, yeah. So, and once again, this is it was one of those things that doesn't make any sense because more than anything, one of my biggest pet peeves in hip hop is I don't listen to music that's just um about how rich you are or just bragging about what yes. you got and stuff like that. I'm mm-hmm. I'm very anti materialistic rap. I'll, I'll listen to you talk about killing people, fucking mad bitches, whatever wrong thing, whatever. But once you get into the materialism, I just I usually tune out. Yet this song, I just always thought sounded so good. I love the way it was put together. I love the the energy that Swizz puts on the track, and and I just think the hook sounds beautiful. So mm-hmm. I definitely was bumping Candy Paint when it came out. So that's my number seven. Okay, okay. Mine is first of the month. Really? Okay, okay. First Why is it so month. low on the list? No. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not mad. But I, I get it because the the deeper you are into an artist, and the more you enjoy them. The more you know, you you and you know you enjoy the the B sides uh, just as much as the 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 hits and stuff like that. So trust yes, me, I yes. get it. I get it. Yes. Okay. And then the first of the month, um, I mean, it was literally the everyday struggle growing up with like lower income. Um, you know, the first of the month was like an exciting time. Everyone got the food stamps. It was no EBT card at the time. It was like physical paper that you're looking forward to finally receiving so you can go and get food that was also the time that rent is due so you know everyone generally gets paid on the first of the month so like um with the um oh what is the name i was about to say fema uh the name of the (laughs) a uh, low income agency uh the cleveland was it like the cleveland municipal housing authority um you know they accepted section 8 so like everyone got their vouchers around that time so they could pay rent for their homes like that was a big time of the month <laughs> okay okay all right all right so yeah i mean first of the month i i absolutely love and adore that song i mean that's this is just a song i just i just didn't never got enough of heard it constantly on the radio always tried to you know i'd always be doing my january november december remember the first of the month i'd always be trying to mimic them and yeah honestly like when i first started rapping that, that they're the reason that that song is one of the main reasons why when i first started rapping i rapped fast mm-hmm. i never wanted to rap sound or try to sound like bone thugs per se but like i just oh you know my natural inclination when i started rapping was to rap fast just because i was trying to mimic first of the month so much like that that's that's the way I look at it. Oh, so. so that was the origin. Got it. <laughs> yeah, and in, in one sense that was, that's an origin. Mm-hmm. All right. So um what's your number six? For the love of money. <laughs> yep, creeping on the come up. <laughs> yep. All right, all right. So how how you feel about, about uh Easy's portion? Oh man, rest in peace to him. Um mm-hmm. you know, you could like I say, you could tell that the styles are different between easy and bone. Um, but, um, you know, I, I don't want to say the song would be good with or without him because he, he has put in a lot of work in the music industry. However, yeah. it could have just been a bone song. <laughs> yeah. I think I would have liked it the same either way, but yeah, but I just, I just, I thought it was interesting to hear that contrast of, 
wait, what does Bone Thugs music sound like when you have a slow rapper on it? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that so was a very, very interesting contrast when when they when Easy got to rock to that. But yeah, I yeah. loved the love loved hearing the the background uh, women singing for the love of money and the Bone just rocking to it. And man, it was mm-hmm. it was a beautiful beat, beautiful production. Beautiful yeah, track. beautiful classic. It's crazy. <laughs> They're the only group to work with Easy too. Hmm. All right, so. My number six for going going back to the East ninety nine Eternal. I got mm-hmm. Mo Murda. Number six. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe 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 it's that uh, the Houston in me likes the low voice, the screw sounding voice, mm-hmm. and and for me, I love the creepiness. And Mo Murda had the creepiness to to me, but I absolutely enjoyed Mo Murda. I love that's i love that hook and i love them coming in and out and just the the way they flowed once again mm-hmm. just I, I i absolutely love that track yes that so, broke my heart a little bit <laughs> just a little why you didn't like it you didn't, no, are, are it you, should be higher on the fine? list <laughs> oh you thought it should be higher yes <laughs> i thought i thought i thought you, i thought your reaction was because you were like why is what's that no man that's I'm definitely saying. one of the best songs they've ever made so i guess i guess oh, okay, it's good that okay. it, it made it in your top 10 <laughs> okay okay yes all right all right so on to my number five i have thuggish ruggish bone i mean okay. it's probably the yeah first track i heard from him and mm-hmm. my introduction to him and and I, I probably wasn't like a huge Bone fan at that moment or anything, but it's just, I just remember hearing it and being like, this is different. You know, mm-hmm. I've, I've never heard anything like this before. And these these dudes are are dope. So, I mean, I, I went and put it put it that high, put it at five. Yes. Okay, cool, cool. I like okay. Douglas Ruggers' Bone as well. It actually did not make it on my top 10. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, so for mine, Days of Our Lives. <laughs> Okay. I All mean, right. I, I'm sorry. It, it's not a bone album. Yes, it set it off soundtrack, but so uh, I, I wasn't. Yeah, I wasn't holding you to to that. It can be yeah. on a soundtrack. <laughs> that was one of the best songs. And then the thing that I loved about it too was that was probably actually one of their slower uh, songs that they produced and made. <laughs> oh yeah. Like if I could say their words, that means <laughs> that says volume. I could sing that song. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. For for me, almost made the list, but it I didn't put it in my top ten. That I I enjoyed it, I like it, mm-hmm. but I didn't I ended up putting in my top ten. Just oh, it's just not 15. creepy enough. <laughs> just yep. See, you like that evil stuff. <laughs> All right, yeah. What's your number four? Shots to the double clock. Oh, okay. East 1999. Okay. Yes. Okay. Ooh, I mean, gosh, it's just it gets you in the mood. Like that's actually on my workout playlist. <laughs> it just puts you in the mood to go kill something. And I love it. <laughs> <laughs> I I agree though. I agree. Like once once again, I didn't put it on my list, but I I can totally understand why you have it at at four. Because I mean it. Like that's got to be one of my favorite album like closings ever. Like that song was just like, oh, we, we in the finale now. Like it's just yes, <laughs> yeah. That that song is dope. That song is really dope. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, my number four, I got uh, Bud Smokers Only. So, I figured it's yes. Yeah, I mean this song. I love the way that they each do like four bars, and the next one comes in. So it just it's always stays like really fresh in the way they take turns, and then you know, I once again beautiful hooks. 
I'll absolutely love love the hook. I always sing along mm-hmm. with it. Oh my gosh! Like if I if I got my saxophone out right now, I would probably try to play the Bud Spokers only hook because I right. just, I just think it just sounds so awesome. I feel like that song makes me want to partake in smoking activities just so I could fully a hundred percent relate to it. No, <laughs> <laughs> understandable. So, um, all right. So my number three, Top I have, three. For, yeah, I have for the love of money. You know, we've we've already talked mm-hmm. about that, but yes, yeah. Once again, super super dope track, super dope track, and early mm-hmm. into learning learning about bone and stuff, mm-hmm. and just. uh Easy and I, I, you know, and just yeah, that whole contrast and easy e running behind the tree and all that stuff, mm-hmm. running and ducking and all that stuff. I just it was, it was, it gave me a, it gave me a point in the song that I can easily rap to, so I appreciated it. Yes, <laughs> all right. Uh, so what's your number three? Thug Love with Tupac. Thug love. Okay. okay, I mean, when you start off with the the Armageddon Lord, like, oh my gosh, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this song is about to go crazy. oh man man. it's just they went so hard in that song like like i mentioned before um you know um like it was shots to the double clock you just ready to go out and do something (laughs) and you know if you have like some sort of like speaking event or you're nervous about something just put that on it'll put you in the mood to do anything (laughs) oh i i to- totally get where you're coming from. That song had so much testosterone, so much aggression. Yes, it it, it it's it's felt like yeah, we're 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 ready to get into a mixed martial arts fight right here. And then so you can't I, forget the Tupac Tupac appearance. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh. <laughs> oh yeah, and yeah, getting to getting to getting to hear Tupac and Bone Thugs, um, super 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 awesome, super amazing. Yeah. So once again, <laughs> didn't didn't make it on my top ten, but totally understand oh, how, how I got to number three. Yes. <laughs> All right. So, what's your number two? Mo murder. Mo murder. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yep. Uh, mine's was a little higher on the list. Yeah, but I, I'm. Hey, I'm all. I'm all for it. It makes makes me feel like maybe I underrated Mo murder because, mm-hmm. like, I thought I was putting it pretty high at six. You had it all the way at two. <laughs> yes, sir. <laughs> okay. So, so yeah, I, I'm a. I'm gonna come across as a as a simper, a casual here, but my number two is the crossroads. Okay, so, so mine's so, yeah, so, so it's vice versa. Mine's is a little further down on the list. <laughs> Yours is <laughs> higher. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, yeah, Crossroads, so so classic, man. All the all the verses, the way they just sound so perfectly, like the the perfect R and B group that also raps. I mean, I uh, absolutely love everything they did with it. So before we before we get into our uh, number ones here, um. Did you have any uh, honorable mentions you wanted to to name? Mr. Bill Collector. <laughs> okay, okay. That that was my extra for 11. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, my honorable mention I uh, had a body rot. Okay. And uh yeah, and I had days of our lives. Mm-hmm. So um All right. So um for the feature, actually actually well, I'll go. I'll go first since your feature is your number one. Yes. <laughs> so, so, so I'll go first. My feature is uh, Notorious Thugs. But, yes, but, sir. But Biggie. That is my I number mean, one. Yeah. That. Oh my gosh. Here, getting here, Biggie and Bone Thugs, and the, their long ass intro. But I love every minute of it. Like yeah. I absolutely 
think that 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 song is just absolute dynamite and just yeah getting to hear biggie spit and then them coming on afterwards that that's my that's my number one feature yeah that's my absolute number one uh the intro was probably the best thing ever the way that the beat just slowly built up like it started with the piano which by the way those are the chords that's tattooed on me is <laughs> from okay, notorious thugs okay. <laughs> Right, uh, but yeah, right. you start with the piano, then you go ahead and just bring in the ch- ch- and then the bass and the dun, dun, dun. <laughs> this is so amazing. It was such a beautiful build up. <laughs> oh yeah, it it's oh my god, it is it is amazing. It makes me want to go play this yeah, right right after we're done with this podcast. <laughs> All right. So, can you can you guess my number 1? You probably you probably don't know what what uh you, you I don't know. You didn't throw. You didn't threw a couple of <laughs> <laughs> a couple of wrenches into it. Nah, my, my number one. Once once again, I'm coming across as a as a simp and a basic here, and an obvious answer. But my number one is first of the month. Oh man, so, dark. Yeah. I got it. This <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. First first of the month, super super influential to to me in terms of you know always always enjoyed that song never mm-hmm. got tired of it heard it a lot mm-hmm. as a kid never got tired of it through all my years um till till now so mm-hmm. first of the month always does it for me and I, I will always try to rap busy bones verse no matter how difficult and impossible it is <laughs> yes <laughs> yeah, it is pretty dope all right okay so we we finished our top tens i mean any were, were you surprised by anything or or did it go pretty much how you expected it? Uh, you know, I was surprised with your top 10 <laughs> uh, because you have some hidden gems on there and, um, you know, your top 10 is good. That was actually, I would make a playlist out of it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Um, All but right. yeah, this was, this was dope. <laughs> okay. All right. So, um, next thing I just want to mention, um, not a whole lot of, uh, bone thugs uh i guess movies or docs there is a sons of saint clear dvd and i imagine there's plenty of stuff just randomly on youtube to look up Mm -hmm. but the only main thing that i know of is that there's a sons of saint clair dvd that kind of goes over them um in more in more detail here Mm -hmm. so um did didn't want to shout that out or, or mention that for anyone that wants to know more about bone thugs so we're basically done with the, the, the Bone Thugs portion, unless there's anything else you want to say. Bone Thugs is one of the most underrated rap groups in the music industry. I don't understand how Migos is making it into the top anything. <laughs> People really are not exposed to real music. And I really, really wish people gave Bone <laughs> more of a chance than Migos. Like, Bone should be legit millionaires, not Migos. <laughs> right yeah and it was funny because i was i was trying to figure this out before the podcast and i didn't mention it earlier but i was like is bone thugs actually my favorite rap group mm. and and i and it was hard it's hard for me to make that decision because when i just look at playlists and like how much songs i have of different artists i probably have twice as many jay-z songs as bone thugs probably have twice as many tupac songs as bone thugs or mm-hmm. Nas or dmx but I feel like so they don't feel to me like my favorite rap group because I feel like well compared to my actual favorite artists like I don't I don't have as many Bone Thug songs. But if mm-hmm. I'm just comparing them 
to other groups and, and I'll take the duos out. I'll take the UGKs and outcast out sure, groups, sure. meaning three people or more. I was like, man, it, it really comes down to bone thugs or Wu Tang for me in terms of, I, I like about the same amount of music from those two. Mm-hmm. So I don't, I don't know if bone thugs is my favorite rap group or not. They're either, they're either one a or one B, but yeah, <laughs> but it's was, it was weird because I, I didn't think about it. Cause I don't go around. I guess, I guess I, they don't feel like my favorite rap group or they don't feel that way to me, mm-hmm. but they might, but they might be my favorite rap group. Yeah. It's you know, crazy. <laughs> honestly, I think I have two favorite rap groups and here goes my ratchet side about to come out, but okay. Bone is definitely one of them. Um, yeah. And three, six mafia. <laughs> but I once again, that. I think this is going into, I think I like violent music. <laughs> <laughs> <sighs> Yeah, I like a lot of violent music too, and Wu Tang out here, you know, talking I'm about. I'm about say they're something. no better. <laughs> <laughs> talking about I'll stab you with the rusty screwdriver. Talk about I'll sew, sew your sew your asshole shut and keep feeding you. Right? Yes. You know. <laughs> uh, yep. Okay, so I mean, is there anything? I mean, you've you were you know essentially one of my first uh, real fans, you know, because you've listened to all the podcasts. Um, Oh, so, so oh, awesome! Yeah, so well, yeah, because I guess the podcast isn't actually out yet. <laughs> it's it's kind of <laughs> it's on my website, but I don't have it officially out yet. So, I mean, is there anything you wanted to to just say about um, any of the artists about um, that you know uh, from things you've listened to or anything like that? <sighs> Man. You really want a three-hour uh, segment tonight. Not, uh, it doesn't have to be three hours. <laughs> I know. Can, I'm, I'm kidding. We can limit it to DMX or something. We can just say anything you want to say about, about DMX. <laughs> oh, man. Um, that was one of the first artists that I listened to that really struck the pain in me. Um, you know, even growing up as teenagers and stuff, it was like, it's so... You know, the Word Up magazines and stuff like that, that has like the fold out posters. DMX was the first guy that I hung up on my wall and my mom hated it. But it was just something (laughs) that I was just so drawn to with DMX. Uh, Like, you know, it was just his voice, his aggression, uh, you know, the fact that he just looked like your everyday average person. And, um, you know, he was definitely one of the most influential rappers um that has uh blessed the music industry because of his style like you know the way that he incorporated the dog love and uh (laughs) you know the fact that he was just he really struggled and he let everyone know like he's not this perfect guy he loves god but damn it i'm human and i'm going to make mistakes and i don't care who loves me at the end of the day (laughs) Um, but I love that about DMX. He was just so genuine. Um, it's just really unfortunate that he, you know, he left us at such a young age. Um, I wish right. we could have heard more. Um, I was going to be honest. I really was slightly disappointed in his most recent album uh, that came yeah. out. Um, I don't know if it was rushed or what, but I, DMX has so much potential. Like we even hear it in his freestyle. Right. The fact that he made Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer go so hard, <laughs> like we know DMX has something in him. And that album, that for that to be his last work piece, like that, it just it didn't do it for me, and I was really upset about right. 
Yeah, under, understandable, understandable. All right. So, um, oh, do you, did you have anything you wanted to plug? You out, you out here promoting yourself on Instagram? You know I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> I, if anything, don't think that I'm uh, promoting. I would really love to see more of our people traveling. Uh, travel the world, get to explore the world, get to explore the different genres of music. Um, you know, with us, we don't necessarily have to stay within the realm of this new age crap. There's just so much beauty out there, like especially in like Africa and the Caribbean. We have so many yeah. wonderful artists um, that whose talents are just being undermined at this time because we're listening to this mainstream BS. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, I just want people to go venture out and love music wherever they decide to go. Uh, the Caribbean, especially, there's so many beautiful West mm -hmm. Indie artists out there. Okay. All right. All right. Well, thanks. Thanks everybody for listening. Thank you, Ashley, for being an amazing guest. This might, this might be, this might break the record of our, my longest podcast. We'll see. We'll see after editing. <laughs> but I don't. I don't think that I'm gonna have much to edit. So yeah, yeah, I think you broke the record. So um, um, which is you know obviously that's more me than you, but that's that's another thing. But anyways, so thank you all for listening. Obviously, if you want to write in or anything, um, go ahead and uh, do that and let us know about if you know what other episodes you want to hear. If there's any other conversations you're specifically interested in. Let me know if you want to hear, you want Ashley back or if you want me to never bring her back on the show. I mean, <laughs> this is up to y'all. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. I'm just messing around. Don't worry, but, my feelings um, won't be hurt. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Whitney might build up a fan base. People will be like, we want that Whitney. Yeah, who doesn't want Whitney? Whitney's awesome. <laughs> All right, so it's been the Hip Hop Multiverse with uh, Darwin and Ashley and have a good one. So no real corrections for uh, this podcast. Main thing is I just wanted to say afterwards, after listening back, was I just found it tedious to try to get into all the the lineup changes for each Bone Thug album because you know they've put out plenty of them and they've literally recorded as a duo, as a trio, as a group of four, and as a group of five, and it varies just who's there and who's not. And I just thought that it was way too too much talking to explain that for each and every album but you know as you hear, heard in the beginning we limited the conversation to mainly focusing on albums when there was at least three or more and then also just to clarify i guess the g-funk point i was uh making that typically when i listen to g-funk music when i think of g-funk i think of dr dre warren g above the law and a lot of that west coast i guess g-funk and, and i guess other artists that were doing it as well whether it be debrat or whoever um, a lot of it, the BPMs like in the nineties, you know, or it's kind of like from, I guess the eighties to, to hundreds time period. And whereas a lot of bone thugs music, it goes like 60 to 80 BPM. So they, they definitely, you know, were utilizing some of the same techniques, but we're doing it at a much different pace and giving that music a, a, a different feel and different sound to it. So that's why, you know, that was one of the things I was bringing up with, you know, is Bo Bone Thugs really G-Funk or is it, are they doing something the same? Or are they doing something different? So you can say that they just had a slowed, um, even slower down version of G-Funk, you know, early on. And then I guess as they, they grew, they kind of grew out of that sound and tried and moved on to other things. But 
it was one of the the key things that I you know wanted to point out because they definitely had their own unique uh, uh, twist on on G funk even even when they came out. So that's all. I hope you guys enjoyed the episode.